Hey y'all, it's your girl Amber reaching your potential. I have Dana back for a part two because our conversation was just so good. We talked about we talked about how she got into fitness. We talked about older adults and just like the passion that we both have working with people who are a little bit older in terms of like 40 and up. Um, I'm an, a geriatric OT as you guys should know by now. And Dana is in her 50s. So it's just so nice to kind of have these discussions and we just relate in so way, so many ways that like pe other people may not understand. But in this episode, we're gonna talk a little bit more about fitness and how we can help other people who are in this older adult population with fitness, as well as some things that we love to do in the fitness world that may not be um, relatable to some people, but it's pretty unique. So let's get started. Her because you guys should know who she is, so we're gonna go straight into. Our, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like why we have to talk about like why we have to introduce you. Like they listened to the previous episode, so they should know so much about you. But we're gonna they're gonna be lost. <laughs> they'll they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, we're gonna go straight into our conversation and talk about kind of like our views of fitness and like when we're training people or when I'm trained or treating clients, like how do you feel or what do you value in being a personal trainer when you're working with your clients? Oh, that's great. What a great question. Um, thank you for that question. I, I value, I have, two, this is going to be a, a maybe two to three part answer and I'll try to keep it brief. I value the end result and I'm not talking about long-term. I love to check in with a client and I value their, like the, I have, I hold to such esteem. Like when I get the feedback from the client of how they're feeling, I've discovered something I didn't even know I had, or I'm feeling a muscle I didn't even know existed or wow, I didn't know about that kind of movement I should be doing. But like to me, to gift that kind of knowledge to them where they're not normally exposed to it on a daily basis like you and I are is like of huge value to me and I just I feel like that's so important because I feel like a a movement and strength evangelist at times where I'm trying to kind of turn people on to more of a 21st century way of fitnessing than they have been used to seeing and and in, in the past you know and I'm talking like I think I referred to it in our part one you know, I've been fitnessing since the 80s and and people my age are unfortunately still most of them have that 80s mindset of fitnessing of like, you know, train till you feel the burn or leave a puddle of sweat on the floor, no pain, no gain, which basically is kind of like the opposite of what you and I know to be the best way to, to train. So I really, I think I went off on a tangent again. So that's tangent number two or 10. <laughs> I don't call it a tangent. I think you're adding a lot of detail to this. And I agree as well. Um, I feel that whenever someone is, let's say, restarting their journey or starting their fitness journey, they have this idea of what fitness should look like. 
And I know you have patients, well, I say patients, clients. I'm in like my OT mode. Um, when you have clients that are around the same age as you, or they have this idea like, well, in the 70s and 80s, fitness looked like this. And even people my age where I may teach them something or train them, they have a certain mindset of like, as you said, no pain, no gain, or you need to keep on working hard until you can't breathe anymore. I'm like, no, that is not what we do. Where if somebody is training you in that type of style, then you need to find another trainer because that is not, that's- I always say run the other way, run the other way. Literally run the other way because how in the world are you going to keep that same momentum and think you're going to stay fit or continue your fitness journey for a long period of time if that's the if that's your mindset you know like mm-hmm. how can we win this or how can we run this long race this marathon of fitness we want to be fit for the rest of our lives we want to participate in fitness the best way possible but how can we use it use fitness in the most effective way Yeah, I feel like a lot of people use fitness as more like a punishment for like the stuff that they did the day before or that they didn't do like, oh, I didn't work out yesterday. So I'm going to work out two extra hours or, oh, I drank wine last night. So I'm going to work out. But instead, we should be treating fitness as like a privilege. Like, oh, my gosh, I get to move today. I woke up and I am gifted with this body. I'm going to move it. But the end result and really we talk about value. I really feel like anything we do physically with our body, and if it's going to be a training thing, and if you're trying to train because you're not a physically active person, and remember, just because you train for 60 minutes a day doesn't make you active because there are still 23 other hours during the day where you are, most people are not active, they're not moving. But, um, you know, you people should look at their exercise more as like a preparation for life, like, and, and the, we're looking for, I think, sustainability. These are the things I value as well. So here's the second, the answer. I value sustainability in training and, and anti-fragility. I want people to become less fragile so they can live their life into well past where I am now, well past where you are, well past where I am. Because where I am at 55, I could, you know, have another 30, 40 years. So I want to live out those 30, 40 years getting stronger, not deteriorating and getting weaker as I get older. As we, you know, kind of imagine aging is, is you know, when if, if you close your eyes or if most people close your eyes and you think, um, you say to them, what does aging look like to you? I think they're going to picture somebody with a walker with little tennis balls on it going along or hunched over a shopping cart. And I don't want that to be me. And I don't want people I love and care about. I don't want that to be them either. So I think there's value in giving somebody the gift of movement and moving well so they can experience their body and and experience life in a great way down the road. Oh, I love that. I I just want to kind of sit on that for a little bit because I I just wrote down some things you said. Movement Hmm. is a privilege. Mm -hmm. I... I always say that every single day, like movement is a privilege. And I get reminded of that every single day when I enter my job. I'm working with patients that may not even be on the older adult range. They can be in their 60s and they cannot have the strength to sit up at the edge of the bed. They can't transfer themselves from the bed to the wheelchair. They're unable to walk, all these different things. And I'm just like, 
movement is such a privilege. We we take it so we like we take for granted just the ability to move. And mm-hmm. if we really take the time out to, you know, walk, just do something active. And as you said, we have 24 hours of the day to move our bodies. Use most of that day to do something that is good for your body and, and keep your body moving. And as you mentioned before, that sustainability is so key and that anti-fragility, which I like can go on a tangent with that as well. Because tangent I love, away. Tangent Part three away. coming up. Because <laughs> you know, like I love working with geriatrics and like the geriatric population and older adults and anti-fragility is such a huge thing to talk about because of the amount of older adults that are still getting older and as we're continuing on towards like 20 23 and beyond older adults are getting older and they're living longer so doesn't mean that they're getting more active they're just oh, getting- are they actually living longer or are they existing longer exactly it's a, it's a huge difference between living and existing and Unfortunately, the amount of older adults I have been seeing, they're just existing. Like, yeah, they're 95 years old, but they're not living. They're not living their best life that they could. And Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting to think that like, there's so many older adults are so fragile that there's so many falls that happens in old and just an older adult's life. Like I remember I had to evaluate a patient before and she was like probably in her nineties or so. And she had like five falls in like a month. And I'm like, that means like you're falling at least once a week. Like that should not be the norm. You know, well, I like, have thoughts on that. We could go off onto a whole, <laughs> a, another podcast about another falling. episode. We're just need so another episode. <laughs> we, need, we need a whole, another episode, a whole thing because like falling, like after, you know, diving super deep and learning about our feet and things like that. You know, I, I hate to blame it on, it's not, I'm not going to blame it on one thing, but I think one of the worst things that has happened to like our society is like modern day shoes. Like people can't even feel the ground beneath them. Their shoes are so fat and like, it's like standing on pillows all day. How are somebody who's like really old going to feel where they are in the world? They're tripping over their own feet all the time. Their feet Mm -hmm. are not, their feet are all completely deformed. Yeah. You know, like little, like their feet are like, like all over the place I've seen it yeah they're all over the place so how are they gonna ground themselves you know I'm not saying not to put on shoes but like you know get in touch with back in touch with like the floor and the ground and you know where where like you know I always I always think back to like like tribal communities and how like they live and they live sitting on the ground and walking in miles with like hardly you know any kind of uh, protection you know and they're just fine they're not falling over when they're 90 I don't think you right. know like like they're they're just they're robust mm-hmm. you know we're just we're just not robust I think and from our feet up not robust enough and I think that's why kettlebell training segue <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> is so great because we concentrate so much on the feet I'm gonna ask you a question and I'm not even the host what is if you had to teach and I know I feel like I know what the answer is going to be but like if you had to teach people one and this is in regards to kettlebells only mm-hmm. one kettlebell movement that would prevent them from falling and breaking their hip when they are older what would it be 
I have to go with the Turkish ghetto, of course. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. You win a million dollars. Yes. Yay, I wish I had it. <laughs> so, yes, let's talk about it. Let's talk about kettlebell training and let's talk about the Turkish ghetto because I know we can go on a tangent on that too, but we'll try to make it a nice crash course from here. But um, fun wet, fact, Dana and I took our kettlebell certification together this year in January of 2022. Wow. Um, yep. It was so long ago. <laughs> but we had, in order to get that certification, you had to show that you're able to coach and actually perform these foundational kettlebell movements. And one of those movements is the Turkish getup. So the reason why I brought that up as my really important exercise that I would love, love, love that every single person should know how to do this um, specific exercise it's because it's so complex. It has so many different movements, but you're allowed to really explore your body in such an amazing way with a kettlebell that's kind of like, not kind of, it is over your head during the whole movement. And with this, you are moving in different types of planes of motions. You're going from actually being supine, which is like your back is on the floor, to a kneeling position into lunging, into standing up tall. You're getting so many great, such great input with your body to know where it is, such as having your shoulders um, intact, your core is going to be engaged, your hips are moving, your feet are grounded to the floor. So you are able to understand how your body moves as well as what your weaknesses are. And I feel that even like, even now, whenever I train, I always start with a Turkish getup because whenever I do a Turkish getup, I know exactly what I need to work on for that day. Mm -hmm. It's either yep. like my hips are tight or my shoulders are not engaged as I want it to be. Or maybe I just need more, um, just more exercises that make sure that I feel really warm and ready to go for whatever exercise I do. But I think it's such a great great, great, great exercise has so underrated and everybody needs to learn how to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, you can always contact me or Dana. <laughs> That's right. Or both of us. Uh, you know, it's funny. And, and not to mention when you load the exercise with a kettlebell and you don't teach it loaded initially, we just yeah. basically teach it with either a shoe or even nothing. And just people have trouble rolling to the, you know, the elbow, the, the initial, the initiating that because of loss yeah. of core control. And as I always say on every Instagram post that I talk about core, remember your core is everything from your shoulders down to the bottom of your pelvic floor, front, back, sides. So it's not just this little six pack or whatever. Right. But um, but if when you load the get up, you're also adding time under tension. So which which builds incredible amounts of strength. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. like it. So it's it's a mobility builder. It's a strength builder. It. It increases your proprioception, which is knowing where you are in space, which is part of the reason people fall is they don't know where they are in space. Yeah. You know, they're just completely clueless. They're like drivers in Florida who just don't know where they are on the road and they just make a left turn from the far right lane. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really, they're not doing their get ups. I'm a hundred percent sure of that. <laughs> Probably not. And I really do hope that, you know, the younger you are, the the faster you can start with learning those those different skills. Like, of course, with my um, population, I can't get patients on the floor and doing Turkish get-ups. No. That's not going to 
the, no. the ideal <laughs> thing to do. But, you know, if I have a younger um, patient that doesn't have any chronic diseases or anything that's going to complicate when I implement this different skill or exercise, at least I can, you know, this one exercise that they continue to learn piece by piece. And then when they put it all together, it can literally make a huge difference in their physical strength, as well as their mobility and all that fun stuff. And even cognitively, you know, there's a, there's cognitive issues, like net issues, cognitive aspects of the getup. There are so many things to think about in the getup. Uh, you know, you have to think about keeping your, your, your foot plantar flex. So you're, you know, toes to the sky, pulling towards your knee. So your shin is nice and tight, your quad tight. You have to think about, oh my gosh, which leg am I supposed to go back with in the, in the get down, you know, by maybe some people will hit that down leg or not, or do you just, after a while, you just know intuitively. So cognitively, it's like a puzzle that you have to put together and remember the pieces as you go along in order to initiate and continue through the movement properly. So it's just, Gosh, it's like so much bang for the buck. You know, so many people say, if there's one thing you could teach, that would be also my answer. I, I can't say enough about it. And uh, it's just like, it's it's a game changer for people who are able to get get down and get back up like that for yeah, the rest of their I, life. Yeah, exactly. You can continue doing this for the rest of your life. And even when I think about older adults and teaching them how to get up from a fall, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many things that could happen in terms of how they fall, but yeah. then how do they get back up, right? And the way that we teach them is very similar to the Turkish getup, which is actually funny. The roll <laughs> to the side. Yeah, roll to the side. Yeah. You got to come on your knees, try to lunge, try to find a chair maybe to help prop themselves to stand up awful i mean it's an awful scary thing to think about especially a lot of the older population and i've been through this with my parents with my husband's grandmother um you know a lot of them end up alone so and you know they don't sometimes they can fall and and it's scary they don't have a chair or they have broken something so it's not possible for them to get up so you want to get up so this doesn't happen to you (laughs) and i'm talking to my friends out there who may or may not ever listen to this because they're just not necessarily always exposed. I'm going to try to get them to listen. You know, it's so important to learn these things. So, you know, I I have a lot of friends that they're out there, they're playing pickleball, they're hiking, they're skiing. But if I were to have them get into a Turkish get up position, there's no way they could even initiate up to the elbow in the first, the first part. And I'm like, how are you out playing these things? What if you fall? Like, how are you going to get back up? Like, I, I don't understand. But, you know, I was that person before all my stuff. So I can't judge that. But it's just, it's funny. Like, once you learn that, you just want everybody to have the goodness of it. Right. Like, you know how good it is. And you just want to share, share the wealth. <laughs> it's like finding a great bargain at Target. You know, you, you want everybody. Like, when we find a good pair of shorts there, you're like, you know, say, Amber, those shorts are so cute. Oh, I got them at Target, $9.99. You know, you're going to share where you got them and how much they were because you want to share the goodness. Right. That's how I feel about Trader Joe's. Whenever I find like a good, a good item, Goodbye. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to post it and share everybody. Like, have you seen this item? This is so good. You have to try it. <laughs> always raving about it. So we have That's to think about in that perspective, the way that we want to share the good news about fitness and kettlebell training and the Turkish getup. The same way how people start to promote 
different brands and food and yeah. all these different services. I know. So I have like, I have like my, my dream. It's funny because somebody once said like, what is like your vision for yourself or your dream? I'm like, I don't really know. But like, if I could get onto like the shows, like the like, older people watch, like, and not older like me, like, like the Today Show or Good Morning America, you know, CBS This Morning, get onto those and show like a Turkish getup. Cause I feel like they have people on that are like more fitnessers from like the like general population fitnessers. And they're not talking about this kind of fitness and they're not talking about a movement practice. They're not talking about a strength practice, you know, cause it is a practice. It's something you have to start baby steps and work your way up. They're talking, you know, when they, they're like, Oh, we could do burpees or we could do this. You know, it's, it's so generic, but they don't really address the root of what, is important, you know, like, I, I always feel like if I could just like evangelize it on like national TV and get the word out to like people by age who are watching it at that time of day, I'm pointing that way, except a TV that way, people can't see me. But um, like, I always like dream, like always in my head, I'm like, one day, I think I'm going to be on one of those shows, and I'm going to have a kettlebell with me. <laughs> you know, exactly. What well, props some, do you somebody, need? If you know anybody, if anybody listening to this podcast knows anybody at any of those stations, I will fly up on my own <laughs> on my own dollar and evangelize kettlebells and fitness and movement yes. for the 21st century. We really do because, like, to be honest, a lot of people don't like burpees. Nobody wants to do push-ups or all these other things. But like, I feel like with the kettlebell, even learning more about it within the past year and change, I just seen how functional it is. You know, like it it just speaks so many volumes of how you can still apply to functional tasks. And that's how I think about it in terms of like my OT brain. Every time when I move the bell, I'm like, okay, this works perfectly for, let's say we're doing a goblet squat and doing eccentric movements, getting into that squat and coming right back up. I'm like, oh, that's perfect for, let's say somebody's trying to work on getting on the toilet or exactly here like there's so many functional tasks that are applicable with using the bell that people don't know so i we, yeah i agree it's uh, crazy and and you know what we have to we have to be clear kettlebells aren't the only way you know we just are passionate about it because we've tried other ways and we found that this is so great and there are definitely benefits to dumbbells and everything else but we just have a passion for it we forgot to mention grip strength that too, that is such a huge thing, um, just for anything in life from holding up anything like holding up a cup, or I have a lot of patients that are unable to have the strength to use utensils to feed themselves. Oh my like gosh. It, yeah. That it gets that deep where they don't even yeah. have the grip strength to hold a fork or a spoon to scoop up whatever mm -hmm. food they're eating and bring it to their mouth. They don't have any strength in their shoulders, their upper body strength, not even their fingers. Yeah. To do those simple tasks that we take advantage to, you know? Yeah, I really, I agree with that. And I, I don't even think that I knew, you know, I, I think if I, if I went back in a time machine 10 years ago and you asked me like, is my grip strong? I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. Why do I care? You know, <laughs> like I didn't know it's directly related to your shoulder which is directly related to your hip, which is directly related to your knee, which is directly related to your foot. You know, it's like, I always like to say, and I think I, I've said this in previous podcasts, even like nothing moves in isolation. Your grip doesn't work in isolation. It affects the rest of your body. 
you know, I always like to say when you blink, your neck muscles fire, like everything is, is a global, like you said, you treat your patients globally. It's a global thing. So important. Yeah. Yeah, Everything is connected in some way, even though we Mm. may not think like it is, it is. What I want to dive deeper into, because we talked about kettlebells a little bit, I know you're very passionate about animal flow. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that may not know what animal flow is or how to get into it. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So animal flow uh, is basically, it's a combination. It's a ground-based movement. So we use the ground for feedback and we use our hands and our feet a lot on the ground. And we're moving our body throughout certain positions that all have a re- uh, they have a reason behind it. It's about your your whole fascial line and, and all your you know all your coils and, and things like that. And, and your fascia with for people listening that don't know is all the tissue that covers your muscles and bones. Without it, you'd be like a big bowl of jelly on the floor. So you know you're you're stretching out and strengthening all those fascial lines while you're working through specific movements. And when you string the movements together, they become what they call a flow. And it has nothing to do with actual animals, but it's it's animal movements. It's like moving your human animal in different positions. And some of them are called like an ape or a crab or a beast or, you know, a leopard crawl. So that's where that, I think, I'm pretty sure that's where that, that comes from. And it's really a beautiful thing. You can use it for warm up. You can use it for cool down active rest. You can use it as a workout in its entirety. You could use it for mobility, strength, um, stability as well. It's just, it, it hits all the, the bases, just like kettlebells hit all the bases. I mean, you can get pretty darn strong with your own body, uh, just doing this. And they, the cool thing that I love is that I find that animal flow and kettlebell practice actually are very complementary to each other. So if we're on a hinge day, for example, like I had a client today this morning that did a a hinge and push um, uh, session. I I pair everything, hinge and push, squat and pull, lunge and rotate. Um, That's how we kind of position our sessions. So today we did a hinge push day and we, in order to prep, we did a lot of like loaded beasts and unload for the, we prepared the hinge. And then to offset all that hinging at the end, we did a lot of crab reaches, you know, where you're opening up that whole front chain. And it's just like the greatest thing to move your body in that way and get it going like that. It's like, it's just the best thing ever. (laughs) It's so much fun. It's such a nice community of people too. Yeah. Like I didn't really learn a lot about animal flow until I got into the kettlebell community. And I saw a lot of people doing it. And I was like, what is this? Like, this sounds, this looks really interesting, but mm-hmm. knowing and knowing more about it and learning about it and meeting people like you and my other friends that are in New York city that are animal flow certified and just seeing how it all works together as you said it, it complements kettlebells and just training in general so well mm-hmm. like it, it does. just as you said you already sh- told us the benefits of it and the different um key components of animal flow but i feel like everybody can benefit from animal flow they can and i do really actually use it with clients who don't move well at all and a lot of times i'll kind of you know pepper it into their training and they don't even know i'm really doing it and it can be um modified to where, you know, they're not going up into a full hip bridge and bridging over. It could just be simple as simple as something as you, you could be just, you know, just like that. Like you're just kind of reaching up over your head and 
turning, but you have to make sure you turn your head first so you don't affect the facet joints in your back. Everything, there's you know, very, very specific reasoning for every move. Uh, and that's why if people are going to learn animal flow, they really should learn from a certified instructor because we've been taught the reasoning behind the movements where um, a lot of uh, people will just kind of see it on Instagram and try to copy it. And then they're doing, they could actually be doing more harm than good. And there's also an app um, there's an animal flow app that's downloadable and you can subscribe to it and it breaks down the movements really safely and effectively. And it's such a, it's a really fun way to, to learn it. If you don't have, you know, don't really have time, you want to do it on your own time and you don't want to take from an instructor or whatever. And there's enough of it to go around, you know, there's enough instructors to go around. There's enough app to go around, you know, nobody, you know, it, it's a community where we support each other. And, and if I don't have, you know, time or, or knowledge, I'll, give it to another instructor or say, you know, download the app or do it that because it's just, it's such a great thing to share with people. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad you gave that, those resources as well for everybody to, to have it in case they're interested in getting a trainer or as I said, downloading an app because there's so many things that we can do with kettlebells, with animal flow, with just fitness in general. And just have, providing those options for people, right, is so key because fitness doesn't look like one thing. There's no one idea of what fitness looks like. There's so many things. And I'm so glad that I had you here today, Dana, to kind of speak on those like non-traditional fitness things because a lot of people think like, oh, I just have to lift he up heavy weights and that's fitness. No, mm -hmm. you can just <laughs> use your own body weight too. And right it will do just the yeah. job. Yep. I know. I know my <laughs> clients always come in. They're like, Oh, we're going to do bicep curls. We're going to do bench press. I'm like, well, are you a physique competitor or do you want to like really move well? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, what are we doing here? <laughs> right. Knowing the to goal. Do all that stuff. Yeah. You got to know the goal. Yep. Know the goal. Yes. But Dana, thank you so much for spending time with me and chatting on this important topic of fitness and movement and just knowing that we are privileged to move. I think that's just like kind of the, the main topic here, regardless of like, if you didn't understand anything that we talked about, I hope you understood that movement is a privilege and it doesn't matter how you move with weight or without weight. There's always something in this fitness world that could really meet the goals that you have for yourself. 100%. Yeah, but um, Dana, this is the time where I give my guests the opportunity to talk a little bit about their business, or if you have an Instagram, you can also share that as well so people can follow you. Thanks. Okay, cool. So I'm offering personal training, both virtually and in person. In person, you can reach me in Boca Raton, Florida, and um, you can find me on Instagram at Dana Stays Fit. I have a website www.danastaysfit.com where it kind of gives me gives a little bit more of a background about me and, and you can even just see if you're not an Instagrammer uh, you'll just see some clips from client training and what training really does look like even if you think it looks a certain way I think you'd be surprised to see that it's not always the way you think it looks and um, everything Dana Stays Fit is really just where you can find me at gmail.com and uh, I'm easy to find and I'm the approachable coach. I'm easy to approach. <laughs> I think easy enough to talk to. But I will. I promise not to intimidate or embarrass you if you're my client. I'll always make it comfortable and meet you where you are because I think that is so important. I just uh, 
it kills me when I go into a big box gym and I see somebody training somebody and they're just like killing them out and they're like oh my gosh that poor person isn't ready right like they're so scared of the trainer you know (laughs) or they're walking they're limping out of there I'm like you won't limp out of my sessions you'll you'll have enough gas in the tank to go on with your evening or your day and and really feel good instead of feel better when you left than when you walked in that's the goal really awesome thank you so much Dana guys I hope you enjoyed both episodes with Dana, we had our part one where we really talked about like how Dana started with fitness and talked a little bit about older adults and training and just being active people. And we really dived deep on part two and talking about more fitness things, but specifically about kettlebells and animal flow and just how we are privileged to move. So I hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to hit me up. You guys have my Instagram and my email. But until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Peace out.